we're going to be in John 18 and 19 today. And uh, the title of the message is called Jesus on Trial. And my hope today is that we would leave here with a passion to make Jesus Lord of every area of our life. Now, here's the reality. Believers, that's, that's pretty impossible, right? Because God's perfect. But man, He is the King of Kings. And I want to ask you this. Is Jesus the King of your life? So has anyone in here ever been on a jury before? Jury? Anyone been on a jury? Tell me guys. A jury. Okay, that close. I try my best to avoid it. <laughs> uh, one of the most famous trials I can remember was the O.J. Simpson trial. That might be pretty to some of you guys, but uh, I don't really know what's going on. I was a kid, but like that was a big deal at the time, right? And there were twelve. There were twelve jurors who were going to decide the fate of O.J. Simpson. Now, everyone had an opinion about it, right? But only 12 people actually got to decide his fate. And that's, that's the reality of trials, right? You turn on the news and see these high-profile cases, and 12 people get to decide what's going on. Jesus said this. Simon Peter came up to him, and he was like, who do people say that I am? Jesus said, some people say you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're this. And you guys remember what Jesus said back to him? But who do you say that I am? Here's what's right about Jesus. We all get to be a juror and decide who Jesus is. And just like Jesus was on trial 2,000 plus years ago, Jesus is still on trial today. And think about that for a second. Jesus is on trial, and people have to decide what they're going to do with him. We've been going through John, and you guys remember this phrase we've talked about a lot. Jesus repeatedly said, my hour has not yet what? Come yet. Couple places in, in John two where it's he turns the water to wine. And he says, "Woman, what does this have to do with us?" He's talking to his mom, by the way. Don't don't talk to your mom like that. My hour has not yet come. And check this out. There were times when people wanted to kill Jesus. They were about to seize him, right? And I don't know how it worked out, but he would like vanish and disappear. In John seven thirty, it says this. So they were seeking to seize him. And no man laid hands on him. Why? Because his hour had not yet come. But now it was time for him to do what he'd come to do. Jesus came as the king of the world, and he was on trial on who he really was. The masses still greatly reject Jesus today. And you know, for the first 18 years of my life, I didn't flat out reject Jesus and say, man, I don't believe Jesus is God. But what I did was, Jesus was irrelevant to my life. So I made a choice to not be like, Jesus, I reject you. But it was more of a you know, passive rejection. It's like, free uh, of Jesus. But in 1998, that all changed. When a man shared the good news of Christ and said, I could have a relationship. Remember, relationship over religion. I could have a relationship with the king of the universe if I would just accept what he had done on the cross for my sins. And it was at that where I accepted Jesus as my Savior and Lord. But what I found out as a believer is it's kind of hard sometimes to keep him as Lord every single day. Does anyone struggle with that? Okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. But today I want us to examine there's, there's four questions that we're asked in this trial. And I want to examine these four questions and I, want, I got a purpose here. I hope we leave today more confident about how great Jesus is in our own lives. And I also pray that we leave here confident that we can present him to those around us 
But most importantly, I hope we leave here just more in awe of this great king. Because Jesus still is on trial. One last quick thought. When I went on my first uh, trip to India, I went on a mission trip there. And uh, the first time I flew on an airplane, we had to stop through England, London or whatever. London, England first. And I'm sitting here with a lady just like this on the airplane. And I tell her that I believe the Bible. And she starts laughing at me. I kind of felt, I was like, whoa, is this a bad thing? But Jesus is still on trial today. So we have four questions. The first trial question that will determine Jesus' kingship in your life is this. Who is Jesus? And it comes from verse 29. And here's what it says. What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, if this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. So the accusation, the question he's going to answer is who he is. Is Jesus an evildoer, right? So they're bringing this man to Jesus. They led Jesus from Caphas into the Praetorium. It's a big building. And it was early. And they themselves did not enter the Praetorium so that they, could not, so that they would not be defiled but might eat the Passover. So here's what's ironic. We're going to talk about the Passover more in detail. But... We have the book of John, and the Passover was back in Exodus. The, the Israelites, remember Moses was trying to free them from Israel, and there were these plagues, and the tenth plague was God said, I'm going to take every firstborn son unless you take a lamb and take its blood and put it over its doorposts. Now just think about your firstborn kid. Like God says, I mean, this, this wouldn't make much sense, right? Like, I'm going to kill your kid unless you take the blood of a lamb and put it on the doorpost. If you believe God, you would have done it. And that night, God took the firstborn of all the kids unless they put the blood on the doorpost. So ever since that happened back, way back when, the Jewish people celebrated that every year. It was a big year. It was called the Passover. And the pilot said, what accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered, this man is an evil doer. We have not delivered him. We would not have delivered him to you. So the leaders of the Jews said, he is a sinner, right? Now here's something I want to give you. I don't want to use big words. I don't want to make this overcomplicated. But I'm going to give you one big word, okay? Hypostatic union. Go to someone and say, what's hypostatic union? Does anyone know? It's pretty simple, actually. Jesus is completely God and completely man. So you do know that. It it says it simply, the union of Christ's humanity and divinity in one form. So he's completely man, right? Jesus became man. He was born a virgin. We see this in John. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. But most men are sinners, but Jesus was born a virgin. But they didn't have a problem with Jesus being a man. They had a problem with Jesus saying he was God. Because if he was God, that means he was not a sinner. Because right there it says, we believe. They didn't just say he was a sinner either, did they? We believe he's an evil doer. Or else we would not have delivered him to you. Let's jump back in John. We're almost done with John. You guys like John? Do you guys remember the statements in John? There were six of them. There were certain kind of statements. The I am statements. Okay, we won't go through all of them. We kind of hammered them. But I want to give you one of them. 
Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, what? I am. So picture this. Abraham was born like 6,000 plus years ago. And Jesus is on the scene 4,000 years. Abraham here is saying, before Abraham was, I am. This is what the Jewish people knew. What does the word I am stand for? Jesus was claiming, remember God appeared to Moses. And Moses said to, to uh, God said to Moses, what do I call you? And Jesus says, I am who I am. So that was the very name of God that God gave to Moses. So when Jesus says, I am, he wasn't just saying, I'm a good dude. He's saying, I am God. Now, I want, to, I want to tell you, the Bible actually has a form of how you're supposed to deal with someone who's a false prophet. Did you know that? Let me read you real quick. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true concerning what he spoke to you, saying, let us go after other gods and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of the prophet or the dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you that the prophet or the dreamer of dreams for the Lord uh, to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. So what I'm saying is if, if a prophet comes and says something false, God's testing you to see if you really can see that. Does that make sense? Now listen to what it says next. You shall follow the Lord your God and fear him, and you shall keep his commandments. Listen to his voice, serve him, and cling to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. So what it's saying is if there's a false prophet in the Old Testament, what would they do? No. Listen to what these Jews said after Jesus said. Remember he said, before Abraham, I am. Verse 59. Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him. And this is where Jesus, you know, maybe some of that God part comes out. But Jesus hid himself. And went out of the temple. I don't know if he just like pulled a quick like, where did he go? Or this is, I don't know. But they couldn't kill him. Who is Jesus? Is he an evildoer? Or is this, this guy is completely God and completely man? C.S. Lewis says it great. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Guys, his first question, he said it like this, what accusation do you bring against this man? He's an evildoer. No, we believe he is completely God and completely man. Who is Jesus to you? Is he the God man in your life? Is he the king of kings? Because that's, that's my hope today is we leave here in, in, in awe of who Jesus is. And as I said, this fancy word, it's not about the fancy word, it's about how great God is. And what does it love about God? Is if I could describe him completely to you, he'd probably be pretty small. Okay, there's, there's some smart, just as like a doctor over here in the medical field. Now, he, he might, oh, I'm just a basic guy. If I could, but if even Justin can't explain God to you, he's that great. I want us to leave in awe of how great this guy is. And then I want to ask you a more personal question. Who was Jesus to you this week? You know, most of you in here are probably going to say, man, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. But it wasn't Jesus' week. Okay, the next trial question we're going to look at that will determine Jesus' kingship in your life is this. Is he the rightful king? Listen to what Pilate said to him. Verse 33. 
Therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own initiative? Or did others tell you about me? Don't you love how Jesus, he didn't like just, he made it. He like, people question him. They're like, we're going to kill you. And he's like, okay, what are you saying about this? Are you saying this on your own initiative? Pilate answered, I'm not a Jew. I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation, the chief priest, delivered you to me. What have you done? Like, Pilate's wanted to get out of this, right? Pilate's not like I was before I was a Christian. It's like, man, I don't want to condemn him, but I also don't want to embrace him. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king, Jesus answered. You say correctly that I am a king. For this I have been born, and for this I have come into this world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. See, Pilate didn't understand there was a difference between Caesar's kingdom, right? And God's kingdom. But aren't we the same way sometimes? Now, sometimes we make, try to make God's kingdom like the world's kingdom. See, Pilate wanted to avoid Jesus' claim through indifference. Pilate's standing here before Jesus. And he's, he's never seen a king like this before. He's like, what's this guy talking about? Pilate's been around the, the highest of the high, the elite of society, the presidents, the kings. And he's like, man, I've never seen anything like this before. And Jesus didn't come to build bigger buildings. He didn't come to give more money. He came so that people could receive his gift and their lives could be changed. Why is it so hard to make him king? Because his kingdom is different. Do you remember when Jesus told some stories? He said, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you have to be least of all. Who wants to become part of that kingdom, right? I mean, when I want to become a great basketball player, I want to become like a LeBron James where I had money, fame, and power. He said, if you want to become great in this kingdom, you become the least of all. Man, what kind of king actually gets down and starts cleaning people's feet in a culture where they wore sandals and it was an agriculture culture and there were animals and poop and he gets down and he washes people's feet. He served the masses. He healed the blind. He washed his followers' feet. He loved even his enemies. When Judas betrayed him last week, he gave him a kiss. This is not the same kind of king. They invited anyone who was willing to believe in him to join You know, if, you, if I was president, if you were president, you'd have all these servants serving you. In Jesus' kingdoms, the highest person served the least of these. And aren't you glad he served you? And that's the king and the kingdom we get to be a part of. I think it's so hard for believers to live in this kingdom. You know, right? This is the, the struggle we have. This is why it's so hard to, to live in this kingdom because it's so different than everything we see, Right? But this is a kingdom we get to be a part of. I had this picture in my head as I was thinking about this point. I had a picture of, you know, say when you believe in Jesus, and let's say you give him control of your car. Like he's the driver, you're in the passenger seat. I know there's a country song about that. I'm not talking about the country song. 
But don't we want to literally take the wheel from Jesus? Like, we kind of give him the wheel, but it's like, hey, man, I, don't, I like where you're going. No, I don't like that place, right? God, there's that area of my life that's, man, I, you can have this area, but don't take this area. And like, it's like he's kind of driving and, you know, Jesus, can you stop if we switch places here? Man, is, there, is he the rightful king? Yes. And are you given control of your life? And here's what's great about this, guys. You know, any other religion, the motivation for control, giving Jesus control and kingship would be like, man, if you don't get in line, you might you might miss out. You might not get you might not make it. And our motivation is different. Our motivation is we're already going to heaven. We're already forgiven. We already have grace. And when we're struggling to give him control of those areas of our life that are places we don't want to go, it's just a chance to say, God, I need more grace. I need more grace. Are you getting control of your life right now? Or are you trying to be a queen or a king and build your own kingdom? Okay, the next trial question that will determine Jesus' kingship in your life is should he be released? Now I want you to think about this question for a second. Here's the question in the, in the verse, actually. Let me read it for a second. Verse 37, Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this is, for this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is the truth? And when he said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. Here's the question. But you have a custom. Did I release someone for you with the Passover? Do you wish then that I release for you the king of the Jews? So let me ask this question. It's kind of a trick, trick question. Should Jesus be released? Yes or no? Who thinks Yes. Who says no? I'm going to say no because then we don't have a relationship with him. But yes, he should have been released. That was kind of a trick question, right? But he loves himself. But what? He loves himself. Yes. And he could have brought down like thousands of angels, right? So they cried out again saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Man, these people would rather a robber be released than an innocent man. He was sinless. Yes, Jesus should have been released since he was sinless, right? One of the famous verses in Scripture, God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God. And I love this illustration. If uh, me and Joy both had a napkin and hers was clean, and you're representing God, by the way, it might have a bunch of ketchup on it because, you know, it showed all my sins. What it was is us trading places. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf to trade places. Why? So that we can become the righteousness of God. Isn't that an awesome story that when I believed in Christ, if you believed in Jesus, you know, when he sees me, he doesn't see all my sin. He doesn't see all my nastiness. He doesn't see all my fears. He sees the blood of his son. So he should have been released because he was sinless. But he should not have been released because this was the very plan of God that not even sinful man could stop. He was our substitute. 
He was our sacrifice. John 13, 1 says this. Now before the feast of the Passover, remember they're going to celebrate this Passover feast, right? Jesus, not only did his hour had come, remember before this, they were going to kill him. He just like disappeared. I mean, I don't know how it worked out, but it was like, hey man, you're going down. He's like, it's not my hour. It says, now knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Why should they have killed him? Because this was his mission. And God, shouldn't this give us encouragement? We don't die for this in the world, but God does have every person here on a mission, right? And shouldn't this give us encouragement that because Jesus accomplished his mission, we get to be a part of his? And whatever he's calling you to do, he will empower you to do that. Jesus was the Passover lamb. Here's the ironic part. They were about to go eat lamb, right? And he was actually about to be the ultimate Passover lamb. Hebrews 9.22, and according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood. Now listen to this. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Okay, we're getting close to finishing up with John. Does anyone remember the reason this book was written? It's been a while since I've asked you guys. We're reaching it. But these have been written, this is John 30, 31, that you may believe that Jesus is a Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you may have life in His name. The very reason this book was written was so you guys could have life in His name, and that others could believe. Think about that. That's why it was written. So as we're thinking about Jesus on trial, you know, I'm, hopefully I'll sit with some jurors who are like, yes, he's the king of kings, right? But people in your neighborhoods, people on your app, man, what they need to realize is Jesus is on trial in their life, and those people need to see how much he loves them, right? That same God who transformed our lives, he wants to transform their lives. And as we go about this, He's such a great king, we should want to tell other people about him, right? Like, man, if I found a place where I could just go and, you know, I could have unlimited uh, Killen's Barbecue and it was unlimited for anyone who wanted it, would I be a good friend if I didn't tell you where it was at? No. <coughs> right? And if we got this God who gives unlimited grace to people, what kind of people are we if we don't tell others? Right, last thought. Oh, all that say, let's get on the app this week. Pray for some people. It's not about an app, but I want to give us real practicality so we can be in the community. Okay, last question in this trial that will determine Jesus' kingship in your life is does he have authority in your life? 1919. Here's what he said to him, what Pilate said to him. Where are you from? I'm just going to read this passage. It's 19, 1 through 16. I'm not going to spend a long time on it. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. This king was scourged. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And this king came on a donkey. He was scourged. They put thorns on his head and put a purple robe on him. And they began to come up to him and say, Hail, king of the Jews. As they mocked him, and they put slaps on his face. Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out so that you can know, may know that I find no guilt in him. 
Pilate's doing enough to just be indifferent, right? He's like, I don't think this is right, but I also don't want to face the Jews, right? Because Jews killed you by stoning. That wouldn't be fun. Jesus then came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. So when the chief priest and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify. Crucify. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. Notice that's the second time Pilate said, There's no guilt. Then Jews answered, We have a law, and by that law he ought to die, because he made himself out to be the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid, and he entered into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, Where are you from? And Jesus gave no answer. Guys, my biggest thing today, yes, I want us to share Christ more with others. I want us to make Him more Lord in our lives. There's all these things I want to see happen. But, but the greatest thing I want us to leave with today is just how in all we can be of this King. We're going to watch a, a couple of minute video here and we're going to close with some prayer. But just watch this 